following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, let's give that up to Jesus. Just one more moment. Hey, Christian Life Austin, you may be seated, but I got to tell you tonight, I am fired up to be in the house of God. This place is amazing. Hey, you know, I, I kind of have a unique perspective coming here. I, I'm still a little bit of an outsider, so I get a, an outside perspective. And let me just say from an outsider's perspective, this place is rocking. I, I, I don't know if you were here on Sunday, but I, I couldn't even get to the restroom. You guys have an amazing thing going, and we, me and my wife, Andrea Daigle, and our three boys are so honored to be a part of the vision of this house, to be under the leadership of your senior pastor, Pastor Rex Johnson. What an honor. It's an honor to work for you and with you as we reach the city of Austin, and then Pastor Brad. Pastor Cassidy, I, I don't know if you go with, with Pastor Cassidy, but, you know, I'm just going to start calling you that, and it's such an honor to be with our friends. Amen. Yeah, let's give it up for them. Here's what you need to know about Pastor Brad. He, he's right. We were roommates in Bible college, but here's what you need to know, okay? I was the roommate that stayed up until 2 a.m. making Taco Bell runs, and he was the roommate that was going to bed at at 9 p.m. and waking up for class on time, ready to go, dragging me to class. And Here's the thing about me. I I really like to reward myself for good intentions, and I always had great intentions (laughs) about going to class. And so I would always set my 7 o'clock alarm. And, And finally, Pastor Brad, we didn't know him as Pastor Brad then, Pastor Brad said, hey, hey, bro, if you're not going to go to class, will, will you just stop setting your alarm? Because it's waking, <laughs> it's waking me up. But, man, what an honor it is to. They're laughing a little too hard at that. What an honor it is to, to join with you and partner with you. And it's so amazing to be here. And if you don't know me, my name is Philip Daigle, and I'm from Houston, Texas. And my amazing wife, that's right. My amazing wife, Annie, and our three boys, if they got a picture, I just want to put a picture up of them. Brady, Odeen, Houston, and Brady. There you go. Those are my buddies. Those are my partners. And here's what you need to know about me. I love God. I love the church. I love my family, and I love Houston sports. So if you don't know what to talk to me about, you come talk to me about any of those things, and you got me, okay? Anything else, I, I don't know. You might lose me, but we are so honored to be with you here tonight. And we're just going to jump right into this. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter number 19. And I just want to preach to you a message entitled this, The Fear of Missing Out. I heard somebody say it. So we're just going to roll with it, FOMO. Luke chapter number 19 and verse number 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. 
And there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I just wish that spirit would get on the IRS today. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Jesus responded and said, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are Lost Jesus, in your name, we are so grateful. We are so thankful for everything that you have done in our lives. And and we just thank you today for what you're doing in our hearts. But Jesus, we thank you for what you're going to do through us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. just, Just by a show of hands, do we have anybody in the house here that Maybe it's a Friday night, maybe it's been a long week and you decide, you know what, I I don't want to hang out with anybody tonight, I just want to chill with the fam, I want to hang out just at my house, maybe get some Netflix going, maybe get my favorite movie, and and you just want to chill by yourself. And you start the movie, but but right before you really get into it, you say, you know what, I'm going to check Instagram, I'm going to see what's going down on the gram. And and you check Instagram and and something really strange happens, You, you look at Instagram and It's really weird because some people that were supposed to be your friends, some people that you thought you knew really well, they're hanging out without you. And and even though you didn't really want to hang out, all of a sudden there's this thing going on inside of you. And it's, we define it as the fear of of missing out. Can can anybody, just by a show of hands, anybody been sitting at home on a Friday night? You, you want to watch the game. You, you got no plans to hang out with any, anybody else. And, and you know, if, if you're a millennial, you get on Snapchat. If you're 40 and over, you're on Facebook. And, <laughs> and you see that there's some people that you thought were your friends. And it's strange. They're hanging out without you. And there's just a little tingle in your stomach. Like, you didn't want to hang out. But now, all of a sudden... You didn't get an invite to the party, and you're wondering why you aren't at the party. This, this happened to me and my wife just recently. Uh, as, as you see, we have three boys, and we, we like to watch Netflix every now and then. And our, our favorite show is Mickey Mouse Clubhouse right now. And <laughs> Season 8 is great. you got to check it out. It is keep you on the edge of your seat. And uh, we're watching our favorite show, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and we're watching our favorite episode. I think that's season three, episode four. It's Kansas City Mickey. And if you don't know about Kansas City Mickey, oh, man, he's amazing. And in, in fact, 
He, he's the hero who will go anywhere. He's the hero who plays fair and square. It's, it's Kansas City Mickey. I've only seen the episode a hundred times. And we're watching this show on a Friday night, and I happen to get on Instagram, and I, I see that there's a wedding going on. Now, I, I didn't really care too much about the people that were, you know, getting, getting married, but um, I asked my wife, I said, hey, did, uh, did you check the mail this recently? Did, did we get a... Did we get an invite to this wedding? She's like, I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. And I'm like, okay, yeah, it's, no, it's probably no big deal. It's probably just me. I don't, you know. About five minutes later, I'm like, you know, are you? Did, did we get an invite to this wedding? And she's like, Philip, you don't even like them. I'm like, Annie, that's that's not actually the point. Um, I need to know, did we get an invite to the party? She said, Philip, you don't even talk to them. And I said, I don't think that you're getting this thing going on. I need to know, did we get an invite to the party? How, how many know that social media makes this so much worse? And I, I'm going to be transparent right off the bat. My first time speaking to you guys tonight, my sister told me about something that I'm going to tell you about it, but you have to promise that you're, you're not going to partake. It's, it's like Pandora's box. Once you go here, you can't turn back. And my sister warned me. She told me, she said, whatever you do, don't download this app. But in case you do, here's what it is. <laughs> and it, it's an app that tells you when or if someone unfollows you on social media. You don't want it. I'm telling you. But if you do, just come talk to me afterwards and I'll... So I, I downloaded the app for like a month, and I'm like, you know what? No one would ever unfollow me. There's no reason for me to have the app. And after like a month, I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just see. Let's just see. <laughs> we download the app, check it out, and something strange happened. This person that I had been friends with for a really long time, they unfollowed me. Like, who, who would do that? I mean, I know, look, I know I post a lot of Brady and Dean in Houston, and it's overwhelming. You see all these baseball videos. It's nonstop. I get it. But, you know, the least you could do is hit me up on the, on the DMs. Like, just let me know I'm, I'm, just let me know that I'm posting a little too much. You don't have to unfollow me. Like, it, it's not that drastic. So I did what any normal person would do. I just one-upped them and I blocked them. You know, but tonight, here's what I love about God, and here's what I love about his house, and here's what I love about his people. That you might have walked into this room here tonight, and maybe somebody just unfollowed you on Instagram, or maybe somebody unfriended you on Facebook, or maybe even worse than that, maybe you walked into this room and you feel alone. Maybe you walked into this room and you feel like nobody knows who you are, you feel like nobody cares about you, or maybe even worse than all those things, you feel like Maybe somebody knows your name, but they don't even care enough to talk to you. Here's what I love about God and his house and his people. You might have walked in feeling all those things, but the God that I serve, the God that I know, the God that I love, he's the God that leaves the 99 to find the one. He's the God that's standing on the front porch waiting for you to come home. He's the God that's going to sweep the house until he finds that lost, precious coin. The God that I serve 
the God that I know, he's been looking for you. He's been waiting for you. He's been standing on that porch waiting for you to come home. And here's what that tells me. You can be lost in the world or you can be lost in the house, but he is still reaching for you. He is still looking for you. And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that he came to find me. I'm so glad that he found me, that he didn't find me at my best. He didn't find me at peak performance. No, he found me at my worst. He found me in my mess. He found me in my brokenness. He found me in my pain. He found me in the thing that I wish nobody knew about. But the Bible says while we were still sinners. In other words, when we were of no value to him, he died for us. I stand here today not because of something that I've done. Not because of who I am. No, because Jesus went looking for me. You're here today because Jesus went looking for you. Look, the Jesus that I know tonight isn't afraid of your issues. He's not afraid of your your mess. He just simply wants you to come home. You know, so many times the system of this world tells us that you, you have to do to get. You want to get a job? Let's see your resume. You, you want to date somebody? Let's know the last ten people you dated. I mean, one. Let's know the last person you dated. <laughs> we, we want to know what you've done, and that's the system of the world. But Jesus came. Jesus came to us to show us a better way. Jesus came not so we had to prove ourselves to him, but he came to prove himself to us. He, he came to turn the world upside down through grace to let us know that you don't have to do to get. That, that you don't have to give to receive. You give because you've already received. You, you, you give because of what he has done in your life. And here's what you need to know. In this house, tonight if you walked in, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. Just know this, this Christian life that we live, this thing that we do called being a Christian, it is simply a response to what Jesus has already done in our lives. It's a response to the goodness and the grace. Here's the truth. Jesus came to show us a better way. He, he, he didn't come to create a subculture of society. He came to be counterculture to society, a, a, a culture of inclusion and not exclusion. And tonight, I just simply believe that there's two types of people that are here in the room. A person that neither, either needs to include someone else, or either a person that needs to be included. And I just believe that this journey that we're on is meant to be with others. And if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you go with someone. And look, there's a beautiful depiction of this principle on display in this story of Zacchaeus. Jesus shows up on the scene and he challenges thinking and he exemplifies and just simply shows us what his community wants to look like. And this is where we jump into the story. The backstory is this. Jesus is starting to attract an unsavory crowd. In fact, the Bible says he it was a notorious sinner. He's starting to attract people that don't have it all together. He's starting to attract people that that don't have it all together. He's building this community of people. And I'm thankful that in a house this size and in this house that we didn't have to have it all together. I'm thankful that that this house is a place where you don't have to have everything perfect and all your ducks in a row. (laughs) 
And I just imagine that this is how this story goes. That Jesus is walking through the crowd. And let me just say right here, Jesus is not afraid of the crowd. And in fact, I, I, I think Jesus likes the crowd. In fact, so many times in the New Testament, if he wasn't with his disciples, there was a crowd that was following him. I think Jesus loves the crowd. I, I think Jesus enjoys the crowd. But even though he loves the crowd, he enjoys the crowd, he is always there for the one. I just believe that Zacchaeus in this story is there because of the crowd. He, he, he was there because he wanted to see the show. He, he was there because he wanted to find what this thing was all about. He, he was there because he wanted to check out the music. He, he, he was there because he wanted to check out the preaching. He wanted to see what it was all about. And can I tell you tonight, the energy, the crowd, the excitement always draws people. But it's relationship that makes them stay. Hey, and this is why we believe in doing church the way we do it. We believe in powerful, exciting, dynamic services. But we understand that without relationship, there is no life change. Life moves at the speed of relationships, but relationships only happen through intentionality. And this is what Jesus shows us in this story. So if you're taking notes, point number one is simply this. Jesus calls you by your name. Now Zacchaeus, he's a tax collector. And at this moment in history, this is not the best job to have. In fact, if you were at a party, you got invited to the party, you're at the party. You ask somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? He's like, I'm a tax collector. You're not following that up with like, oh, that's cool. What's the benefits like? Can I get a job? Do you have any applications? No, here's what you're saying, dude, you, you got to go, bro. We, we don't hang out with you. You're not the type of person that we want to hang out with. In, in fact, here's what Zacchaeus was. Let me explain this real fast. Um, at this moment in history, there's, there's two teams. There's, there's the Romans, and then there's the Jews. And, and he was playing for the Jews, but the Jews weren't doing so well. So he says, you know, I'm going to switch teams. I'm going to pull a Kawhi Leonard. Oh, man, it's just too, oh, my first service, I'm so sorry. He says, I'm going to switch teams. So you know what Zacchaeus really is? He's a bandwagon fan. This guy, he's the worst. You know, it's, it's kind of like some of you guys that y'all were, y'all were wearing Rangers hats a few years ago, and all of a sudden the Astros won the World Series, and, and now you're just, all right, we're just going to keep moving on. I felt real conviction in the house, but... We'll do the altar call later. You can work through it. You know, I'm kidding, but Zacchaeus was really much worse than that. He was a guy that was working for the conquering occupiers. And I tried to think of a good analogy for what that would look like. And I just imagined it would be like ISIS rolling into Texas, conquering, setting up shop, and then your boy going to work for him. But he wasn't just working for them. He was benefiting from cheating the people that were closest to him. I I think it's safe to say that at this moment in the story, Zacchaeus is the worst. I think that's a safe assumption. He is the worst. He was viewed as sinful and most likely at this stage of his life, he was embracing the image. And not only was he a sinful man, but the Bible says that he was short. And this really meant a lot in those days. In fact, the Bible tells us that 
Saul was chosen to be king, and then they threw in, oh, by the way, he's head and shoulders taller than everyone. Your height was many times a big factor in regards to respect for a man. Side note, I'm 5'11 and a half. My, my driver's license says six foot, so I would just really appreciate it if just from here on out you recognize me as a six foot man. That would be, that would be great. Um, when I was 13 at West Memorial Junior High, Katy, Texas, I was 5'11 and a half. And I don't know why I got, I guess I had a lot of pride. God just like struck me down, said that was it, no more. I was bragging to all my friends, I'm going to be six foot by next week, and it just never... So there's a few things that are working against our buddy Zacchaeus. The Bible says that he's rich, and my dad used to always say, it's better to be rich and unhappy than just unhappy. And I think at this, you'll, and I think at this place in Zacchaeus' life, he had really embraced that idea. But even though he's now experienced an element of success, how many know that success doesn't equate to happiness? He feels limited physically, by something he can't control, his height. And no doubt he feels limited spiritually by something he possibly could control. And that's his sinful lifestyle. But I love what happens next. The story changes. Jesus does something that changes everything. Jesus shows up on the scene and he calls him by his name. Now, now Jesus could have called him anything. He, he, he could have called him by what other people knew him to be, a liar, a cheater, a sinner, short, rich, a, a tree climber. But Jesus calls him <laughs> by his name. Right. Now, this is significant because of what calling someone by their name implies. It implies that you know them. Psychologists tell us that something incredibly significant happens in our brains when we hear our name and when we say someone else's name. In fact, we are born with the name that is given to us. It becomes our tag. And, and then when someone wants our attention, they tug on it to gain our attention. And it starts with our parents. And when they want us to come, stop, act, or listen, we'll just say, Brady, 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 Brady. <laughs> our siblings, siblings start next. Uncles, aunts, grandparents, our friends, our teachers. And at every stage of life, our brain registers that when our name is said, someone wants our attention. When we hear our name, we turn towards the speaker. It's just a natural instinct. And here's what Jesus was doing in a moment. He called him by his name. And he was doing this. He was telling Zacchaeus, I know you. He was saying, I I know everything about you. I know the thing about you that you wish nobody else knew. I know your deepest, darkest sin. I I know your worst mistake. I know your failures. But guess what? I want to hang out with you. He he, he was saying, I I know everything about you, but I still want a relationship with you today. And here's what you need to know if you're new to Christianity or if you've been in this thing your entire life. Jesus knows you. He, He knows everything about you. He knows your deepest, darkest sin. He knows the thing about you that you wish nobody else knew. He he knows your worst mistake. He knows your worst failure. But here's what he's saying here tonight. I want a relationship with you. I'm calling you by your name. I'm not calling you by your sin. I'm not calling you by your mess. I'm not calling you by your pain. I'm calling you by who you are, a child. Jesus is here tonight, and he's not calling you by that thing. 
He's calling you by your name. Point number two is simply this. Jesus throws the best surprise parties. Now, my wife is here, and she asked before I preached tonight that I would send her my notes so that I wouldn't say anything weird or crazy about her, but I left this part out and just sent it to her, so I'm just kidding. I didn't do it. She knows about it. Um, So me and my wife got got married a few years back, and um, I was turning 30, and I told my wife, I said, you know what, I think I don't really do this much. I think I think I want to party. Just, you know, it's my 30th. I don't turn 30 often, you know, so <laughs> let's, let's do this. She said, okay. I, I got a little concerned because she wasn't taking notes, and um, I didn't know if she really cared, and I just you know what, I'm going to let her, you know, I'm going to let her handle this. You know, I'm, I'm sure if it doesn't work out, I'll turn 30 again sometime. And, and so we get close to my, my birthday, and, and it's like the Friday night of my, my birthday, and she still hasn't said anything that's happening. And I should have known something was up because she told me, she said, hey, you know, we're, we're going to eat with my parents. And I was like, mm, that's not what I had in mind for the party. <laughs> but I'll suck it up. It's no big deal. It's just my 30th birthday. I'm sure it'll happen again one day. I should have known, though, because she told me, she said, hey, we're going to get my parents, but be sure and wear something classy. I was like, that's a strange thing to say to me. I wear classy things all the time. Like, why would this be any different? And we got in the car and we started driving, and we got close to our house, and I just saw this line of cars as far as I could see. And my wife had thrown me the best surprise party ever. In fact, (laughs) Pastor Jaron, I love you, bro. Pastor Brad, they drove all the way from Austin to be there. I just want to thank you again just all these years later. Oh. <laughs> she would just do the altar call now. We want to shut it down. <laughs> I don't know how we come back for that, but we're going to try, okay? But you know, here's the thing about this story. How many times... How many times had not only Zacchaeus not been invited to a party, (laughs) how many times was he not the reason for the party? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and he flips the script. And he says to Zacchaeus, guess what? I want to party with you. Surprise, Zacchaeus. Guess what? This party, this party that's going on tonight, this party is for you. Here's what Jesus wants us to know here tonight. Nobody is too far gone. No sin is bigger than Jesus. No habit, no hang up. Can I tell you today that nothing can separate us from the love of God? Jesus was showing us that although Zacchaeus had some mess in his life, he didn't identify him with what he had done. He identified him with who he was. Zacchaeus was no doubt a guy with dreams, ambitions, hopes, and desires. Yeah, maybe he had some hurts and habits, but I I bet if we knew it, I bet if we knew his whole story, we would think, man, that's a crazy story, Zacchaeus. Here's what I've learned in life. If you can just 
for a moment, get quiet long enough, you'll learn that every single person has a story to tell. We, tonight, we could shut down this service and bring people up on this stage and they could tell us their story of what happened to them as a kid or, or the marriage that's broken up or the thing that they've had to go through and we would say, how are you here tonight? How, how did you make it to this moment in life after all that you've been through? How are you still here? How did you survive? How did you make it? Can I tell you here tonight, if you're here in the house, we celebrate you. We affirm you. We say we're proud of you. You didn't have to be here. You didn't have to make it to this moment, but you're here tonight. Can I tell you? Can I tell you, maybe you've walked into this room tonight and you're unsure of this whole church thing. This whole God thing, can I tell you, we're just happy that you're here. We don't know how you made it to this moment, but we're so proud of you that you made it here to this moment. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't even believe. Maybe you think this thing isn't real, but can I tell you, just stick around a little bit. Just hang out a little bit because when you meet the Jesus that I know, you won't stay the same. You, you can't stay the same. And here's why I'm not afraid of people coming in with their mess, with their brokenness, with their pain, with their unbelief. When you meet the Jesus that I know and you go to lunch with Jesus, everything's going to change. I'm like the giddy guy at the surprise party. Like, dude, get back, man. Get, just get back. Pastor Casey had a party the other night. And my son was the first one at the door. Doesn't even know who he is. Like waiting, like, happy birthday. I'm sorry if y'all weren't invited. I just, yeah. It's. But I'm like the giddy guy at the party standing at the door, and I'm just waiting for you to open the door because I'm like, dude, if you can imagine what Jesus is going to do, if you, if you can imagine the party that he's planned for you, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord's plan to prosper. Hey, you can't imagine the party that he's going to throw for you. All you got to do is open that door. You open that door, you're going to be like, Y'all had this party planned all along. You you were throwing this party through all my mess, through all my pain. I didn't even think there was going to be a party. And you've been planning this party this whole time. I want to tell you here tonight, Jesus has the best planning, planning committee. I celebrate you. I affirm you. We link arms with you. And here's what we say here tonight. We're going to get through this together. Because this is the community that Jesus wants us to have. Point number three is simply this. Jesus calls us to community. And I have in my notes and in parentheses it says, but community isn't always comfortable. My dad used to always say, if, if you wanted to get rid of all the problems in your church, it's very easy. You just get rid of all the people. Because people are difficult. Maybe, maybe it's just my family, not yours. Relationships are messy. You're, you're going to get dirty. You're, you're going to feel a little uneasy. Guess what? Sometimes they might even challenge you on what you believe. But I would argue today that as Christians, as believers, that our biggest mission, our biggest purpose is to simply be community facilitators 
that yes, community isn't easy. Yes, it's hard, but it's worth it. You may or may not know this, but, but new relationships get you out of your comfort zone. I, I feel like I'm at the stage in my life where I've learned a lot about myself, and I enjoy meeting new people. I, I love. It. In fact, if you come up and talk to me, I'm going to be like, a new person? Great. I can't wait to meet you. But even with that, I meet somebody new. You ever met somebody and you're like, don't say anything dumb. Don't say anything dumb. Don't say Why did you say that? We all get that uneasiness sometimes when we meet new people. Even people that love to do it. Because new relationships, they get you out of your comfort zone. But I got to got a flip side to that you know where faith thrives do you know where faith lives right outside of your comfort zone right outside of the thing that you know you're a little comfortable but as soon as you step out it it, it takes faith meeting new people (laughs) it's a life of faith faith thrives right outside of your comfort zone and I close tonight let's all stand I close tonight talking to, to do two different types of people. The people that if I was to ask you tonight, do you feel at home? You, you like Christian life, Austin? You love this place? And your answer is, this place is for me. This is my house. This is my people. If that's your answer, here, here's what I want to do tonight. I, I want to challenge you. If you'll allow this young new guy to stand up here and challenge you. I want to challenge you because I'm challenging myself. Here's my challenge. Live a life of faith. Go outside of your comfort zone by going all in to help to bring community to someone else. I've been reading a, a book by a guy named Louis Giglio. It's an amazing book. It's called Goliath Must Fall. And I want to close reading a portion of that book. And it, it says this, Life is short, but God is big. Life is short, but God is big. Remind yourself whenever you have to repeat these phrases because they're huge in weight and meaning. And as you say this over and over to yourself, you'll hear voices joining in with you. And this is who you're going to hear back, saying it back to you. The soul winner, the martyr who's given his life, the the church planner who could choose a more comfortable way, the prayer warrior, the compassionate person who sells his own stuff to provide for the less fortunate, the teacher who pours her heart into everything she can with her students, the chaplain who cares for the dying with hope and dignity, the therapist, the doctor, the surgeon who reflect Jesus in all that they do, the pastor, the youth pastor, the associate pastor, the lead pastor, the missions pastor, the administrative pastor, the children's pastor who live well, love the truth, and care for people. The business leader who works honestly and refuses to take all the profits. The blue-collar worker who does his work as an act of worship. The mother, the father, the single parent, the grandmother, the grandfather, and anyone who shows the love of Jesus. The ones who have gone on before, this is what they're saying back to us. Life is short. But God is big. 
Life is short, but God is big. I just believe that if they could talk to us, they, they wouldn't say, hey, convince people on Facebook, on social media, that, that you got it all figured out. Convince people that you got all the answers. No, this is what they would say. Go all in for community. Text someone. Call someone. Invite someone to lunch. Because if you can just get people to Jesus, if you can just get people to Jesus, Sometimes as Christian, you, you ever been somewhere and, and you want to buy something and the salesman is trying to sell you and you're like, I'm in. I'm already in, bro. Quit selling me. It's that way for cupcakes with me. I don't need to be sold. Just tell me where they're at. So many times we do that with the gospel, with Jesus. People are thirsty, they're hungry, and we're trying to sell them. Hey, just get out of the way. Get them to Jesus. In fact, I would argue today that sometimes it would be even better before you invite someone to church, you invite them to lunch. Because here is the result of one lunch. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be better. If I've hurt someone, I'm going to make it right. One lunch. If I can convince you to just get someone to Jesus. He's going to take care of the rest because when you meet the Jesus that I meet, when you know the Jesus that I know, you won't stay the same. You can't stay the same. And tonight I close with the second group. Tonight maybe you feel like you don't belong. Maybe you feel like you don't belong here, but it's not just here. Maybe you feel like you don't belong anywhere. And here's the thing about the age that we live in because of social media. Everybody's life looks perfect. It's flawless. There's no bad hair days. There's no boring Friday nights. There's no ugly selfies. Unless you just go ahead and post it anyway, which I would advise against, but you know, whatever. (laughs) Everyone's relationship looks perfect. Just smiling. Like, get in the picture, man. Everybody's kids look well-behaved and sweet. If we aren't careful, everyone else seems to be living the life that we want. But it's in those moments when I feel like I'm missing out and I feel that fear creeping in that I can run to the rock that's higher than me, that there is no comparison to him in a world comparison that says you need more money, you need better vacations, you need cool trick shots to be valued. I'm thankful that my confidence, my hope, and my value is in the one that named the stars, that speaks and worlds are formed. He speaks and the dead are raised to life. There is no one like him. There's no one that compares to him. Can anybody testify that the God that we serve, there is no comparison? I'm closing. I lost my dad when I was 20. Wrecked my world. When I think about my dad, I always go back to this one moment. I had an opportunity to spend some time with him. I was 15. As teenagers do, we can get attitudes sometimes. And I wanted to hang out with some of my friends. And it, was, it was a Friday night. And my dad said, no, we're going we're gonna to go over here. I was so mad at my dad. I never do this. I don't even know why. We're driving to where we were going. He just wanted to hang out with me. That's all he wanted to do. I, I hate to tell you this, but I did something really immature. I know you're shocked, but just roll with it. I put my hands over my ears because I was so mad at him. Like, I want, I'm missing out. 
I'm missing it. My dad, who he was, never said anything. We did what we were doing, came back. After my dad passed away, I go back to that moment every time. And there's nothing I could do about it. I was just a kid. I was a teenager. I didn't know what was going to happen in our world. A few months later, he got sick with cancer. and It was rough. But I go back to that moment, and, and I think about it. But here's what I think about, that in my fear of missing out, I missed the moment. I missed the moment that I had. So many times... God is looking for moments with us and we're worried about what we're missing out on. Here's what, here's what you need to know here tonight. God is looking for you. God is searching for your... He, he's searching for those moments where He can spend with you. Don't spend your time worried about what you're missing out on. Spend your time with Him. Hey, here's what I say tonight. Through every situation, through every season, he's good. Through every moment of things that I might have missed out on or things that, man, I wanted this to happen, here's what I've learned to say with all of my heart, with every part of my soul. He's good. He's good. He's good. Hey, here's what I want us to do. We're going to close and they're going to sing this song. And here's what I want you to say in your heart. The things I thought I was missing out on. With all my heart, with all my soul, he's good.